North Organic CBD is a new sponsor of Holding Court. I love their CBD gummies. They come in two delicious flavors, strawberry lemonade and green apple. I've had them both, both amazing. One a day and you're totally okay. I like to stay active. I like to keep playing tennis. I like to get in the gym. That's why I love North Organic CBD. Their products are made in the USA. They're high quality. They're specially formulated, broad spectrum, organic CBD products for everyday adventurers. Don't forget about the very popular CBD salve from North Organics. Immediate relief of any physical pain. I use it daily for my sore shoulders, sore knees, hips, you name it. It works wonders. Go to NorthOrganicCBD.com and enter Patrick20, that's Patrick20, for 20% off your order. Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. Hello. Time for Holding Court. Patrick McEnroe here, and you are about to listen to my interview with Christopher Mad Dog Russo, the one and only on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, my good buddy, who is uh, one of the guys who just started Sports Talk Radio with Mike Francesa, Mike and the Mad Dog back in New York, and now he's got his own station. He's my good buddy. And he loves tennis, and thank goodness we have him in our sports world because he's one of the few sports radio guys to actually talk about tennis. So we're going to listen to that interview that I just did with him about Nick Kyrgios advancing to the Wimbledon final, uh, thanks to Rafael Nadal having to withdraw from their semifinal with the abdominal injury that he suffered uh, clearly in that match with Taylor Fritz, a match he ended up winning in five sets but tried to go today, tried to practice, and he's got an abdominal tear. So Rafael Nadal will be out of the semifinal. So it'll be uh, Nick Kyrgios in the final. He'll await the winner of the Novak Djokovic-Cam Nori match. I want to just take this moment to remind you about Nella by Fitbiomics. Uh, absolutely amazing, uh, this probiotic and what it's been doing for me. I've been taking it now for a couple of months. The gut fitness connection. You need a healthy gut. You want to be healthy. You want to stay fit. Uh, Nella is an unbelievable uh, advantage that you need to take. You got to do it. It helps you sleep, helps you work out, helps you feel better. Gut health is, we know, so important to optimal health, athletic performance. You know, my athletic performance, you know, not quite what it used to be at 56, but I give it a shot. I've been hitting the gym here in SW19 in London, enjoying it very much. So check it out, Nella by Fitbiomics. You can go to their website anytime and check it out. They do an unbelievable job. It's www.nella.fitbiomics.com to get your gut health to defy your own limits. All right, here's my chat with Christopher Mad Dog Russo. T-Mac, uh, on the custody with the match against Taylor Fritz with Nadal. Bad news here today. Patrick, it's a pleasure. This is a bummer. You are not surprised after you saw him get off the court yesterday. I thought he'd give it a go. You told me this morning you didn't think so. As it turns out, you hit him out on the head. Let's discuss. 
Well, as, yeah, as you said, Christopher, uh, it's a serious bummer. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I think even if Nadal was 100%, this was going to be a tricky match. I gave him the slight edge against Kyrgios based on it's a Wimbledon semifinal. But when you look at how well Kyrgios has been playing, and particularly the surface where, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Kyrgios has beaten him before on this court, although Nadal did beat him a couple of years ago. And by the way, Chris, the last time that Rafael Nadal because I just heard your open, which is a great job, by the way, out of you, as always, uh, that the last time Nadal made a Wimbledon final was 2011. He lost in four sets to Djokovic in that final. Oh, he did lose? Yeah. Okay, they, lost they, Djokovic the last the time they okay. played at Wimbledon was in one of the greatest matches they ever played was 2018, oh, if you remember, match. the semifinal. And Djokovic won that 10-8. Remember, it was played over two days because they had to stop because yep. of rain or darkness or whatever it was. 10-8 in the final set. This is before they changed to the final set tiebreak. Five hours and 15 minutes on grass. I mean, that's just unheard of, a match that long. So they've had some great matches. I mean, certainly Djokovic uh, would be the favorite. If they're both at 100% on a grass court, Djokovic is a solid favorite, just like if they play in a clay court, all things being equal, you give the edge to Nadal. If they play at the Australian Open, it's, it's clear edge to Djokovic. But I think grass, particularly in the last you know five, seven years, has been the surface where Djokovic has been the most dominant. But this is a huge uh, you know, bummer to the, to the tournament. You know, as you said, usually there's two two semifinals. The Friday ticket is probably the most popular ticket that people try to get the two semifinals back to back. So now we'll have Djokovic against Nori. That's set to start at 1.30. The official schedule was released a, a couple of hours ago. Uh, and actually at that point, we thought that Nadal was going to post, was going to play. But then it was shortly thereafter, early this evening, London time, that he made the decision to pull the plug. Based on what he said, Chris, in the press conference, two factors. Number one, he didn't think that he could complete two full matches at this level. Okay. Number two, and equally as important because he talked about both of these issues. Number two, he said he doesn't want to put himself out of competition for the rest, as he likes to call it, the season. And that means, of course, the U.S. Open and a tournament or two leading into the U.S. Open. So he's always taken that seriously. I mean, obviously, he's missed a lot of tournaments in his career, but he's always taken the whole year seriously. And I believe him when he says, you know, he wasn't thinking about the Grand Slam. I mean, you know, you had to be somewhere in his mind, but I think he really goes about his business one match at a time, one tournament at a time, one section of the season at a time, where clearly over the years he's been the most dominant on the clay courts. Uh, did he? When did he hurt this? When did this occur? This occurs sometime during this tournament, right? When did this? Uh, I guess he hadn't been practicing his serve for a while. When did this injury occur? Do we have any idea? It occurred some, we don't know exactly what batch, but it occurred sometime during the first week of the tournament. Um, and as this often happens on grass, uh, Chris, when, you know, the players come to grass, you know, the first couple of days are sore in their butt, you know, cause they're doing a lot of bending, different sort of muscles, your body adjusts to that pretty quickly. Uh, but also on the serve, you know, you, you, you tend to go for a little bit more on the serve because it's a grass court. You could win free points. You can get hurt if you just spin it in more. So then on, on another surface, you know, Nadal could serve at 60, 70% on clay and it wouldn't make that much of a difference, right? He could still beat most, you know, pretty much everyone else on the tour. On grass, it's different. You have to stress your body a little bit more to get up and go after the serve. So I'm guessing 
that he didn't play. I mean, he didn't hit a ton of balls in between the French uh, and Wimbledon. He had three weeks off. He obviously took probably seven to 10 days totally off. He's still doing some fitness and still getting out there and hitting some ground stroke, but probably right. He probably didn't hit a ton of serves coming in. Uh, he did have two matches that went four sets of the first couple of matches. So maybe he stressed it a little bit. He didn't make clear exactly when he felt it, but definitely coming into the match yesterday, he knew it was an issue. He had some tape on the abdominal area, but as the match went on, particularly in the early midway through the first set, I could see that something was wrong. You know, I turned to my brother and I said, you know, he's looking up at his box a lot. He came out absolutely lacing the ball, the first five, six games of the match. But after that, once Fritz got a break back, I was like, something's off. You know, it seemed like his movement was fine. And then sure enough, early in the second set, you saw him sort of grab his abdomen. He kind of keeled over after one of his serves. He clearly felt it. His sister and his dad told him he should walk off the court. You know, late in that second set, he decided to continue. Obviously, not obviously, but I'm presuming he took some painkillers, some anti-inflammatories, which is very common that players do during the match when he left the court, got a little bit of treatment and maybe got some rub in there. And he, he figured out what what he could do with the serve. So he wasn't serving full out. You're right. His serve speed did go up a bit, but it was still lower over the course of the entire match than normally would be. He did find a little adrenaline, a little energy late in the match to, to hit some bigger serves. But for the most part, he was spinning that serve in, you know, 98 to 105. Normally he's, you know, 105 to 112, 113 on the MPH uh, clock. All right, now let's play devil's advocate. If this was the French Open semifinals, would he have gutted his way through it? You know, uh, maybe only because he would, he could get away with serving, as I said, at 50%. But I'll, I'll point out a couple of things to you, Doc. He's pulled, he pulled out of the French Open twice before with injuries, 2003, 2004. This is before he won his first one. In 2016, he pulled out before his third round match with Granollers, a guy that he beat in his sleep, another Spanish guy, with, with an injury, I believe it was the elbow or the wrist at that point. So he's pretty careful. I mean, he's, had a, he's done a heck of a job. Do you know that coming into this tournament, Chris, when you, you go back over his career, okay, he's won 22 majors, okay, in singles. Nadal, uh, Federer, and Djokovic both have 20. Nadal has missed 11 majors in that time. 11 majors, okay? And that includes a couple of Frenches. That includes some U.S. Opens, a few Wimbledons, as you noted. Uh, So it's amazing how many he's missed. It's amazing that still at 36, he's able to play at this level and win two majors to start this year and still find his way in the semifinals of Wimbledon. Um, So I think he knows his body well. He's had those cases before, which, by the way, you've killed him on, and I've heard you. You and I have argued about it over the years, where you've killed him for pulling out mid-match. And he said in his press conference tonight, I don't want to do that because I've done that before. I try to learn from my mistakes. I don't like doing that, having to pull out in the middle of the match. Remember we played Vavrinka in the Australian Open, finally could barely move. He finished the match. So I don't think he wanted to go out there knowing that, you know, he could give it a shot. He was going to have very little shot to beat Curios in that situation. I don't think that was the main reason. I think the main reason was he could really, really hurt himself a lot more and be out for the entire rest of the year uh, and not have a chance to play the U.S. Open and maybe not the Australian Open in 2023 because that happens in January. If you pull your stomach muscle badly, I mean, that's a tough injury to come back from. I, I said this during the match. This is not the kind of thing that tennis players can recover quickly from. You know, you tweak your knee, you tweak your ankle, you can tape it up. 
You can maybe go, but the stomach muscle, boy, that is very difficult for a tennis player to recover from. And I knew that when he woke up this morning, he'd be in a lot of pain. It turned out he had a tear in that stomach muscle. If you keep playing on it, there's a chance you could be out six to nine months. Uh, could we make an argument, and I hate to say this, that we will never see him at Wimbledon again? I mean, there's always that possibility just based on the way he's talked in the last uh, few months, uh, even at the French Open, you know, getting injections to be able to play uh, on the clay and win it again for the 14th time. I mean, you never know. I, th- I think he'll keep playing because he loves, he loves the competition. Uh, he loves the lifestyle. He can pick his spots now and not play a full year, full calendar year, and sort of play. I mean, look what he did this year at the Australian. He hadn't played for six months since that tournament in D.C. that you mentioned where he did play. He ended up losing in in his second match there and then pulled the plug on the whole rest of the year. Shows up in Australia, plays one warm-up tournament, and boom, wins the Australian Open. So it's possible that he could do that over the course of the next couple of years. Uh, So I'm not going to say we're not going to see him again. I think he's still, if his body holds up, and he looked great. I mean, the good news for him is that his foot was no problem at all. He was moving like a gazelle out there on the grass courts, and the movement was getting better with each match. Uh, the stomach muscle injury is something that happens. It's usually not something that's chronic. He has had it at a different time before in his career, but it's fairly, you know, it's like spraining your ankle in basketball. It sort of comes with the territory, but you have to be careful with it. You have to let it recover uh, and come back and build it up and do the exercises. So I think he'll do that. I think he'll be ready to play the U.S. Open. Interesting there. We'll get back to his. Well, let's finish that first. Will we see him in America prior to the in late August? Will he play a prelim or not here in Lake? love Washington. Will he go out there and take a chance and play a couple of hardcore events? Or will he just show up five days before the Open and play there? You know, I, I think he'll play at least one event. I think he'll probably enter two. Uh, DC was an awesome event. I was actually there last year. He he just turned that event into you know a huge success, even though he didn't even make the final weekend. Actually, Sinner ended up winning it. Uh, it was a great tournament. Then you've got the two Masters 1000s in Cincinnati and in Canada. I believe he'll enter both of those. I'd be surprised if he shows up in Washington, only because it's a fairly quick turnaround uh, from the end of Wimbledon. So he's going to need a few. You know, he's going to. He said tonight going to need three to four weeks of rest. He thinks he'll be able to actually start hitting ground strokes in a week to 10 days. Uh, if he has no pain, he can do that and then he can work his way back. So I think he'll enter both those masters events in Cincinnati and Canada, which have struggled, you know, with the pandemic, of course, in the last couple of years. And you got to give the Dow credit. You know, he supports the tour. He supports the ATP events. Um, he knows his responsibility to the game. So I think he'll, I'll sign up for both. If he makes a big run in one, you know, maybe he pulls out of another depending on how he feels. But I think he'll get some at, at least one tournament in before New York and the U.S. Open at the end of the summer. And how about the greatness angle with him missing 11? Part of being great is answering the post time after time after time. And you and I both know that the one negative about Nadal, he gets hurt a lot. Historically, is that going to be a significant blemish on his career? Absolutely not, Chris. And the reason why is because he's still winning majors at 36. And uh, we all thought, yours truly included in this, that this guy was going to burn out in his late 20s or early 30s with just a le- you know his level of intensity, the physicality of his game, the way he throws himself at every shot, you know the the the, the style he plays. He's like he's like a he's like a running back that runs straight into the line. You know that doesn't you know doesn't looks looks to make contact as opposed to avoiding contact. 
So he's the kind of player that, uh, you know, you look at Federer, you look at Djokovic, you know, they glide around the court. They don't look like they're putting as much strain on their body, which in a lot of ways they're not. So I think for Nadal, um, the fact that he's been able to maintain, look, he's been smart. He's, he's had to be smart. He learned early how to take care of his body. He's had the same team around him for many years. You see the doctor, the Spanish doctor who works with the Davis Cup team for many years. He's been there all the time, Chris. He's changed coaches from Uncle Tony to Carlos Moya. Now he's got Francisco Roig and Mark Lopez, you know, different Spanish guys that are sort of part of his team over the years. But he's always had the same physio. Always the same fitness guy. And that's the guy who puts them back together day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, along with his doctor in Spain. So that to me is the biggest. And I, I remember I was talking to, uh, I, was, I think I was talking to Killer, Darren Cahill the other day, or maybe one of the Spanish guys. I said, what, what, is, what has Rafa done like over the years to where he's, he's so freaking fit? I mean, meaning his endurance. I'm talking about the speed and, and that stuff's natural and you work on that. I said, where does he get the endurance? I think it was Darren. He said to me, he just plays, just plays tennis. I said, really? Because you, you hear about all these guys, you know, running sprints and doing crazy cardio and sprints on the bike or whatever it is. But the, the amount of intensity he puts in to an hour and a half, two hour practice. I mean, it reminded me of Andre Agassi. I used to practice with him. I used to go to Vegas, actually. He used to call me out because he liked hitting with me because I'd hit him a nice, easy ball. You know, he just pound me in practice. You play two hours with him, it's like playing five hours with someone else on a practice court. The intensity, point in, point out. And that's what Nadal has brought to tennis. That's what he's brought to his own practices. And, you know, he's got the genetics, obviously. He's a genetic freak. Um, but the... It, 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 it blows my mind, Chris, to see him show up in Australia and win five set match after five set, ma- set match against, you know, the, these young guys, Shapovalov, Medvedev in the final. The guys are, they're supposed to have the young legs. They're supposed to have the fresher legs. And meanwhile, it's Nadal and Djokovic. Look at Djokovic and Sinner. Sinner's supposed to be the guy. The guy was a, a world champion skier at 12, 13, phenomenal athlete, 20 years old. Got to be coming into his prime. And guess what happens? Djokovic just buries him. Physi- physically buries him. Yeah, and that's what Nadal and yeah. Djokovic have done over the years, and Federer too, to a large extent. So it's really been amazing to watch it. Uh, obviously, Novak is a huge favorite now to win it, but you know, Kyrgios is the kind of guy that if he's on and, and he's not overwhelmed by the moment, you know, all of a sudden he's going to walk out there. He's going to walk out there, Chris, and, and he's not going to have had this match with Nadal where he could walk out on center. Okay, I'm playing Rafael Nadal. Now he's going to, he's, he's, he's walking out there cold. Okay, beating, uh, you know, Brandon Nakashima is a nice win on five on, in five sets, okay, on center court. Okay, and then winning straight sets against Christian Garin, okay, yesterday in the quarter. That's nice. Those are nice wins. But walking out on center court, Chris, for you, the first time, no experience in a semi. Now you're going up against Novak Djokovic. I mean, you might be down a set and a break before before the match starts. I mean, that if you go just by now you can you can make that argument. If you go by straight X's and O's, if Kyrgios comes out hot and plays his game, he's got a shot. And I'm assuming, obviously, that Djokovic will beat Nori because I think he will. Um, but that's going to be a very interesting sort of psychological match uh, in that first half hour, 45 minutes. How's Kyrgios going to well, handle you can, it? You. Yeah, you can make the argument that he wasn't going to be able to beat Nadal and Djokovic back-to-back, so only having to beat one of them helps his cause. 
How about that, finally? Let well, I think, I think that's, uh, that's, a, that's a decent argument, but I, I, I think that, look, he matches up a lot better with Nadal on grass than he does with Djokovic. So even if he went out there and beat Nadal, um, he, assuming Rafa was 100, let's say he was 80%, he could absolutely have beaten him in straight sets, no doubt about it. He could have beaten him straight up if they played uh, best of five on grass. But to go up against Djokovic, it, you know, that's like saying you beat Djokovic in the semis of the French. Okay, or the quarters of the French, and then you got to beat Nadal in the final. I mean, that's to me, it's similar. I mean, I know Djokovic has only won six Wimbledons, okay, with the fourteen for Rafa at the French, but I would say he's he's almost as dominant now in the last few years on a grass court as Nadal has been on a clay court throughout you know the last five years of his career. Uh, not quite as much, but pretty darn close. So I think for Kyrgios, I think it would have benefited him to have been gone out there and played a big, big match, a semifinal, uh, even if he was a little bit banged up, you know, a four-setter or five-setter, I think this, in a way, could hurt him going into this final against Djokovic because all of a sudden he's going to walk out there. And I just saw him, by the way, at the local sushi place in town. I just had my early dinner because I was ready to get up early, get my workout in, get ready for two matches. Now it's just one match. Who was there at the sushi place? Mr. Nick Kyrgios with his team. I don't think he'd even heard the news. Maybe he'd gotten it early. Uh, but I hadn't heard it yet at that point. He was having dinner with his, his girlfriend, his dad, uh, his team. Jack Sock was there with his wife. Uh, he's good friends with Kyrgios. He looked, he looked pretty cool and calm. And I don't know if he knew or not. I didn't go up to him. I didn't want to bug him. I didn't, I didn't say anything to him. I let him be. But I wonder if he knew right then because he was looking pretty chill. Interesting. Nine o'clock Sunday morning. Good job, Patrick. Thanks for the help. Enjoy the final. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks for a few minutes here today. Always a pleasure. Keep that toss low, Chris. Yeah, indeed. That's the fun. That was my interview with the one and only Christopher Mad Dog Russo on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Radio. Hope you enjoyed it here on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media. 